California's very happy. Uh, Newsom beat the recall. It was a landslide. And, of course, because this is California, it was also a brush fire, two earthquakes, a shark attack, and a cult murder. But... <laughs> well, it's true. I was here. I saw it all. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, on Red Bluff in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel. Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Desi Doyen, did you survive the weekend's so-called justice for J6 rally? Are you okay? <laughs> yes, I'm fine. Thank you. Okay, good. It turned uh, out to be, I guess, not that much. Not that much. Not that much justice for J6, I guess. Uh, of course, that is where Donald Trump's MAGA crowd led by a uh, Donald Trump campaign staffer, by the way, called all, quote, patriots who supported storming the U.S. Capitol back in January, because that's what patriots do, I guess, um, in order to block the legal constitutional certification of a presidential election. They were called back to D.C. to demand that those being jailed for breaking and entering into the U.S. Capitol on January 6th be freed, because, as the theory goes... They are political prisoners. So, yes, uh, Desiree is correct. The rally, it seems, was a bit of a flop with about 200 to 300 people showing up in total. More press and cops and National Guard troops than Trumpers were there. But it cost how many millions of taxpayer dollars to make sure that these people did not storm the Capitol again? How many millions does this sadly necessary security now against domestic right-wing terrorists, how much does this now cost taxpayers? And with those millions, millions of dollars, and the nearly $300 million that California taxpayers were forced to pay, forced to spend by the GOP to run a sore loser recall election last week, 
which, by the way, the losers lost again by just about the same amount that the Republican losers lost the last gubernatorial election here in the state. Why in God's name are people in the media and the Democratic Party still doing these people the favor of, of, of carrying, helping them to carry out their charade, their grift, by calling them conservatives? When they are anything but conservatives don't spend hundreds of millions of dollars for nonsense. At least that's the theory. These people are not conservatives. They are right wingers. They are radicals. They are Trumpers. They are authoritarians. They are fascists. They are Republicans. But they are not by any stretch of the imagination conservatives. So can we please stop doing them the favor of calling them that? It only helps them to continue their grift, their lies about who they actually are. Okie dokie. Feel better now. Got that out of my system. Uh, For the record, the counting in California continues since last week's landslide recall election for California's Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, who, yes, retained his seat as governor by a mile. According to the latest tallies from the state, with 86 percent of the vote now counted, the no vote, which keeps Newsom as governor, is currently ahead 63.4 percent. To 36.6 percent. As I said, a landslide. It is nearly a 30 point margin, 28 points as of now, to be exact. By way of reminder, Newsom won 62 percent of the vote when he was first elected in 2018. So again, congrats to the not conservative taxpayer money wasting radical Republican Party for forcing a nearly 300 million dollar off your election in which the governor that you were trying to remove actually gained a point and a half so far over his 2018 election. Good work. Also, Newsom's 63.4% tally as of now currently matches almost exactly the 63.5% that Joe Biden whipped Donald Trump with in the Golden State just last year in 2020. By the way, Newsom's mask and vaccine mandates and the economy, those were supposedly the top reasons why the uh, right wingers felt that he must be removed. Well, guess what? California now has the lowest COVID-19 infection rate in the nation. Thank you, Governor. Also, last month, California added jobs at three times the rate of the rest of the nation. All of this sounds terrible, doesn't it? No wonder Republicans wanted to remove this awful governor. Now, you may not like Governor Newsom, which you're certainly welcome to do. You may disagree with some of his policies, but let's be honest about what those policies are, what effects they are having, and how much they are supported, at least over the wingnut opposition here in the state of California. Let's just tell the truth and let's start not uh, freaking out about millions of Americans who are victims, frankly, of the disinformation industry and what those people think. With all of those lies about how unpopular the uh, popular Gavin Newsom is and how disastrous his term as governor has been in the in the run up to the recall here in California. Well, apparently few, uh, at least in this state, were buying it. 
Keep that in mind, by the way, as you are seeing uh, similarly, uh, all of these Joe Biden support is collapsing. His presidency is over. Stories from the from the Beltway corporate media, the same people who were telling you that uh, Gavin Newsom is wildly unpopular. Now they're telling you that about Joe Biden. You may or may not like Joe Biden. But with, you know, Fox News's Fox News's latest polling showing that Joe Biden has 50 uh, percent approval rating from the American people, I'm not sure I would call that collapsing. Of course, many of these folks are basing their stories on uh, polling averages from folks like 538, websites like 538, which as of today does show Biden to be about three points underwater in approval polling. Then again, 538's polling average for the California recall on Election Day predicted that Newsom would win by about 15 points. Instead, Newsom won by about 30 points. So, as ever, uh, take all of this so-called Beltway conventional wisdom with several large grains of salt, please. They, They love... They love nothing more than a Dems in disarray storyline. That's the that's their favorite thing. And with a lot of uh, ch- how often do you see Republicans in disarray storylines, by the way? And with a lot of challenges facing both the administration and, yes, the Democratic Party right now, a lot. There's a lot of red meat for these lazy D.C. insiders to work with. So just beware of what you uh, what you hear in the media. That is no excuse for um, writing your own narratives that are in conflict with independently verifiable facts. Anyway, I had uh, I had hoped to op- had hoped to open up the phone lines today at 818-985-5735 on that and a few other stories. Uh, and I hope that we still will, but I'm going to have to push it down the line a little bit because we were lucky enough to get a guest here at the last minute who I'm very much looking forward to speaking to momentarily. Uh, but we will try to get to your calls on any and all of this today if possible. In the meantime, as the, as the media are you know busy misreporting stuff, the stuff they should be focusing on as usual, they are not focusing on at all. For example, the new dire warning from the U.N. issued on Friday that we covered that even with the current pledges for emissions cuts from the nations of the world, the current pledges they have made to uh, to to roll back the release of global warming gases, even with those promises in advance of the next U.N. climate summit meeting in, in November in Glasgow, the global average temperatures across the planet are still Even with the promises, they are still on course to rise a catastrophic 2.7 degrees Celsius. That's almost 5 degrees Fahrenheit over pre-industrial times by the end of this century. And that's even including stuff like Joe Biden's vow to curb greenhouse gas emissions from the electricity sector by 80 percent by 2030 by 100 percent by 2035 and to somehow get the nation entirely to net zero emissions in all sectors by 2050. Even if we hit those targets, the globe and humanity with it is still on a collision course with calamity by century's end, according to the U.N. Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change as of Friday. Sadly, 
We don't have to wait until the end of the century to see those calamities already playing out around us, and you don't need to be a uh, scientist to see them or understand them, though we do have one who will be joining us momentarily. Uh, You don't have to be a scientist to see it, particularly here in California, but in much of the nation over this past summer as well, between all of the droughts and the floods and the fires, more than 7,000 wildfires in California this year have damaged or destroyed more than 3,000 homes and other buildings and torched well over 3,000 square miles of land. Here in California, this summer, according to the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. But I want to pick up on a story that we covered on Friday's broadcast, as several fires were at the time encroaching on the 3,000-year-old giant sequoia trees of Sequoia National Park, just about three and a half hours north of uh, where we are right now here in Los Angeles, up in the Sierra Nevada Mountains. Last week, the fires were about a mile or so away from the giant trees, including the world's largest, known as General Sherman, which stands at a breathtaking 275 feet tall. Uh, But even more amazingly, perhaps, at ground, its girth is more than 100 feet around. As officials there on Friday were racing to wrap the base of many of the 2,000 giant trees in a fire-resistant tinfoil-like blanket. So far, well, so good, sort of, we are told anyway, at least for General Sherman, if not for all of the trees in the park, which if you haven't visited... And if it survives these fires, I hope you will. It is one of the most remarkable and magical places, frankly, that I have ever been. But as of today, AP is reporting that four famous giant sequoias were not harmed by a wildfire that reached the edge of giant forest in California's uh, Sequoia National Park. The Four Guardsmen, a group of trees that form a natural entryway on the road to the forest, were successfully protected from the KNP complex fire by the removal of nearby vegetation and by wrapping fire-resistant material around the bases of the trees. The KNP complex began as a two lightning as two different lightning-sparked fires that eventually merged and they have since scorched more than 37 square miles in the heart of Sequoia country on the western slope of the Sierra Nevada. Uh, there were no, there was no immediate word, however, on the extent of damage in several other sequoia groves that were reached by a separate blaze, the Windy Fire in the giant Sequoia National Monument area of Sequoia National Forest and the Tule River Indian Reservation. Joining us now for the very latest update from on the ground in the heart of Sequoia Country is Christy Brigham, Chief of Resources Management and Science at Sequoia and at Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park. Um, the, uh, uh, Christy Brigham, I, I, uh, uh, do we have her? Is Do I have her? Okay, good. Uh, Christy Brigham, uh, I know it's an incredibly busy time right now for you, so I really appreciate you joining us for a few minutes here today. Welcome to the broadcast. Thanks, Brad. What a great intro. You covered a lot of ground there, and you really nailed it. So 
Good job. Thank you, Christy. I, I do appreciate that. As you may be able to tell, I'm a huge fan of Sequoia. I, I think it's one of the most magical places in, on Earth, frankly, at least that I've ever visited. What can you tell us at this hour about the latest, uh, as far as these fires, uh, plural now, uh, as far as those are going, the satellite photos I've seen, frankly, are very troubling. Uh, and uh, what can you tell us about that and what we know about those groves where fire has been able to encroach on the giant trees as of this hour. Yeah, let me tell you what we know and what we don't know, Brad. Um, first off, the number one priority for these fires is to keep them out of our communities. Thankfully, we have enough resources on this fire that we've also been able to do, the team has been able to do a lot of work to protect sequoias like you talked about. The news so far is quite good. Um, the fire has burned into giant forests, as you mentioned, past the four guardsmen. But because of five decades of prescribed burning in that forest, um, the fire really laid down in giant forests and mm. is not progressing rapidly through the grove. There are firefighters on the ground in the grove to take additional protective actions. But the reports we're getting is two to three foot flame lengths. Really, actually great fire behavior in that grove the kind of fire that sequoias like, um, low-intensity fire on the ground. The, uh, well, uh, you know what? Uh, the last thing I expected to hear was that the news would be quite good, but I will take it, Dr. Brigham. One of the uh, things that <laughs> I, I always you know, relearn whenever I visit the park is that one of the reasons that these trees are so old and so large is because of the fire-resistant tannins in their uh, sometimes 12-inch thick bark, I believe. If that is the case... Uh, and they are so fire resistant. Why are we so worried about these fires now? That's a great question. And you started the explanation in your intro. So climate change driven hotter droughts combined with 100 years of fire suppression have really changed fuel loading and fire behavior in and around these groves. And for um, Giant Forest and the General Sherman and the Four Guardsmen, we, we thought that the fire would have good fire behavior in those areas because of the previous prescribed burning, but you just never know. Mm. And even under low severity fire, what we saw in the castle fire is that embers can get into these really large old trees at the base through fire scars and kill them from the inside out. Mm. So that's really what that protective wrapping is about. It's mm -hmm. about keeping the embers away from the old fire scars that have burned through that 12-inch thick bark. Uh, how, how I, I, yeah, I understand that. So damage from years past can lead to a vulnerability now for fire to get in. How different is the threat, are these fires, uh, and, and the threat to these groves now versus, say, before pre-industrial times. Is there any way to measure that? Uh, or even just a few decades ago, you know, before the West appears to have entered into this mega drought, thanks to the burning of fossil fuels, causing man-made global warming. Is the threat different now, even than it was, say, uh, 20 or 30 years ago in, in the park? It really is, Brad. And there's a couple ways to look at that. Um, one is when you think about what, what fuels fires, um, dead trees, uh, on the ground or standing along with branches and vegetation on the ground. When we look in the forests of today, um, because of fire suppression and then the 2012 through 2015 hotter drought, what we see is fuel loads off the charts in the southern Sierra where a lot of these sequoias live. 
So that's an indication right there that fire is different and the threat is more serious. The second indication is the number of large monarch sequoias that have been killed in Mm. wildfires since 2015. Mm. Um, Those kinds of deaths were basically very rare, almost unheard of before climate change and fire suppression. And in the Castle Fire last year, we think we lost between 7,500 and 10,600 large sequoias. That's 10 to 14 percent of the population never seen before in recorded history or even in deep history looking at um, fire scars. Yeah, I noticed in, uh, I think it was June, you guys had just come out with a a draft report on one single fire that killed at least 10% of the world's giant sequoias. This was uh, just last year. Do I understand that correctly? Yes, and that has changed everything in terms of how we think about fire in these groves and how hard we want to fight a wildfire um, and keep it out of these sequoia groves if we can, because we're worried about that kind of a loss if you get that kind of fire behavior. And Giant Forest, like I said, is doing well. But as you mentioned, uh, four other groves potentially had fire in them, and we do not have reports for those. Mm. And those have much less fire history. So fingers crossed. Um, that we won't see the terrible outcomes, but we've got a long way to go with this fire still burning and still threatening a number of groves. Yeah, I was uh, particularly worried since I saw the report on last year where there was just one fire that wiped out all of those trees. We're now dealing with, at least by my count, three different fires, two that joined together in a, in a complex fire and a third uh, how does this compare the amount of, uh, of fire, I guess, we're seeing this year versus the one that wiped out 10% of the world's giant sequoias last year? Yeah, it is very concerning. We have not gotten um, to the size that we had last year in the Castle Fire. The Castle Fire burned through 22 groves, which is just mind-boggling. Mm. But this, these two fires together could get that far if the weather doesn't cooperate. Um, They're in tough terrain. As you mentioned, the windy fire has already burned into several groves, and we've got fire in four of ours and 16 total that we consider under immediate threat. So Mm. when the day is done, we'll see whether we're up there again at another 20 or so groves getting wildfire in them. You know, as I was researching this uh, late last week, it appeared that this is uh, now really, if I understand it, sort of a tree-by-tree exercise, clearing uh, burnable uh, vegetation from around each one and then blanketing the base with with fireproof blankets. But there are some 2,000 trees, at least as I understand it, in in these groves. They cannot all be protected that way, uh, especially as the fire, you know, rage in, in groves or near by how do you decide what can be saved and which trees uh will will just be you know you hope for the best that's a great question brad and it points out an issue that that we need to come to terms with as as managers and citizens which is when the darn things aren't on fire there's a lot we can do there's um restorative thinning there's prescribed fire under the right conditions there's very careful actions Once a wildfire is bearing down on you, there aren't that many actions that are safe to take or places where it's safe to take them. So we are in risk management and triage mode. Thankfully, after the Castle Fire, we did a ton of pre-planning 
what actions would we allow in and around groves to protect them, things like retardant drops, what, um, what actions would we allow within groves, what groves would we prioritize because of fire risk. But the reality is, Lots of places are not giant forests. We've got a lot of groves in remote country where it is not safe to put people on the ground. And our options to limit fire severity in those areas are, are very limited. And we will do what we can, but we really need to deal with this problem when the state isn't on fire. Yeah, well, good luck finding a moment when the state isn't on fire at this point, Christy. Uh, does does uh, lastly here does, does the U.S. Park Service? Uh, do you guys currently have the resources that you need to do this job? Is the federal government and or state government uh, providing all of the support that you need right now? And I guess relatedly, is there anything that those of us sort of watching all of this helplessly uh, can somehow do to help in in any way. We really appreciate the interest and concern of the public. It just, it's really a great thing how much people love these trees. Um, You mentioned climate change. That is at the root of this problem, and we can all take part in that solution individually and collectively. In terms of fighting this fire, we have the resources that we need, and we are deploying a lot of resources to do what we can for the groves that are threatened. Um, when, when the fire is over, I hope the public will support and help get the resources needed to do the t- protective actions so we don't have another season like this. Mm. Because fire is not going to go away. It's going to keep burning. And the only way to solve this is to prepare the groves and the surrounding forests before the fire gets there. Sure is. Uh, And these uh, fire seasons are not getting any better. They're getting uh, seemingly worse and worse and longer and longer each year. Uh, Dr. Christy Brigham, Chief of Resources Management and Science at Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks. Uh, When these fires, uh, if these fires hopefully die down down soon, uh, I hope folks within the sound of our voice here will uh, consider a trip up to uh, Sequoia National Park. It is unbelievable. Dr. Christy Brigham, I hope you don't mind if we uh, check back in with you again as all of this moves forward. You're uh, very helpful, very instructive, and uh, frankly, by saying that as far as things could go here, they're going quite good, you've actually helped me a lot to calm down and and feel somewhat better. So thank you for that as well today. Thank you, and check back in anytime. You're awesome. Thank you very much, Dr. Christy Brigham. All right, we, uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and I do want to get uh, still to some of your calls. Um, but, boy, uh, that makes me feel better. I, hopefully she's just not uh, being overly optimistic there in saying things are quite good. And I know that she doesn't mean the fires are out and the threat is gone. But as far as things could go, uh, things are about going about as well as they could be, I guess. So maybe we will have another visit to uh, General Sherman in the not-too-distant future. Uh, All right, very grateful we were able to get her at the last minute. Well done, Desi Doyen. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, until we did, uh, I had to actually hope to cover a whole bunch of stuff today, and and still will. We'll get some of it, including your calls uh, on all of it, on any of it, if you want to ring in uh, so far. I was actually, I was actually imagining we might have, you know, 
open phones today, Desi Doyen. We just <laughs> could talk about anything that was on yeah, people's minds. But, you know, things keep happening. Things keep happening. The news keeps coming in like a fire hose, as Des says. Uh, but if you do want to ring in uh, so far on the recall election or the uh, many stories that we've been following of late, Day after day on the broadcast every day, including the fires in Sequoia and or related matters. Feel free to give me a shout. 818-985-5735. I was, um, like I said, aiming for open phones. But because the news never stops, I had hoped to talk about the U.S. lifting international travel restrictions to visitors from the EU and U.K. and elsewhere with the requirement, however that they must be vaccinated. This announcement came out today. I assume everyone's okay with that, right? Got a problem with that? Do you prefer that unvaccinated visitors be allowed to fly into the country? Really? If so, I'd love to hear from you as to why. 818-985-KPFK. If you oppose vaccine mandates for Americans, I guess you're cool with allowing unvaxxed foreigners to come and visit us, right? Am I wrong? 818-985-5735. Also today, Pfizer has given approval for its vaccine to be used with kids who are 5 to 11 years of age. Currently, the FDA has approved the vaccines only for those who are 12 and older. But you know what? Since your kids already have to get shots for mumps and measles and smallpox and polio and rubella and all sorts of other diseases before they can go to school. I'm guessing that everyone within my voice who has children are also okay uh, with these um, with, with uh, the vaccines for five to 11 year olds, as I suspect, and in some cases hope that those two will be va- uh, uh, mandated in the uh, weeks and months ahead. 818-985-5735, if you disagree. Also, by the way, on Friday, we reported on new CNN polling, finding that 93% of Americans believe that U.S. democracy is now either under attack or being severely tested. 93%. Now, that number is not a surprise, given everything that we've seen over the last few months, Sadly, it's not a surprise. Uh, I believe they are correct. But what is a surprise, at least to me, is that in this poll, 75 percent of Republicans said that they felt democracy is under attack, while only 46 percent of Democrats feel that way. Really? It was just somewhat mind blowing to me, you know, that even Though Republicans across the country are instituting voter suppression laws that prevent Americans from voting, you know, democracy and actually allow uh, these Republicans to appoint partisans to overturn actual election results. Oh, yeah. And more obviously, even after democracy itself was literally attacked on January 6th. When authoritarian right wing insurrectionists violently stormed the U.S. Capitol to try and prevent Congress from carrying out their actual small d democratic act of certifying a legitimate presidential election as per their constitutional duty. We all saw that. And yet 75 percent of Republicans think democracy is under attack since Republicans are doing the attacking, I guess. But 46 percent of Democrats feel that way. I, I don't get it. I don't understand why 100 percent of Democrats, much less all Americans, uh, don't get that. How can that be? Maybe you can explain it to me. Are Democrats seemingly sound asleep here? Maybe so. 
985-5735 is my phone number if you'd like to ring in with any ideas as to why and how that could possibly be. I'd love if someone explained it to me. Those stories, your calls, and whatever else we can get to on today's uh, broadcast grab bag of news is all straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to the world-famous broadcast. Nice job. <laughs> What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That bumper music goes out to regular Bradcast listener Ron R., who put it in my head a week or three ago, and I have not been able to get it out of there since. So maybe playing it as bumper music uh, will help. Uh, I, As I said, I'm happy to talk about anything you want to discuss today. I've got some stuff. We'll see how much I can get to. Uh, but y- you may as well give us a call. Get in line if you like. 818-985-5735. The U.S. will ease travel restrictions for international visitors who are vaccinated against COVID-19 beginning in November, including those from the U.K., the E.U., According to the White House on Monday, non-citizens visiting the U.S. will have to show proof of vaccination. Yes, a vaccination passport uh, and a ne- also a negative COVID test taken within three days of departure, according to Jeff Zients, leading the nation's COVID response efforts for the White House. The changes will take effect in early November which the airline industry uh, welcomes. They expect it to spur holiday bookings, so they are happy about it anyway, as are the Europeans, apparently, who have not appreciated us keeping them out, even though their COVID infection rates are lower than ours. They've been letting us in, just not the other way around. Incoming travelers must show proof of vaccination prior to boarding a U.S.-bound airplane, says Zients. Uh, The uh, Trump administration had first issued the rules, which now apply to more than 30 countries, uh, back in March of 2020. President Biden upheld those rules in January, shortly after taking office, though it has been a hodgepodge of restrictions with varying rules for varying countries. Today's new policy announcement aims to uh, try and simplify things. European and British officials have lifted entry bans for U.S. and other visitors since vaccines became widely available uh, this past spring, but the Biden administration has not reciprocated. So I assume, as I said before the break, that even folks here that oppose vaccine mandates want to make sure that those traveling from around the world coming into our country are vaccinated, right? If not, why not? Do you want more disease in the country? Feel free to call and explain 818-985-KPFK. But if you want them to be vaccinated, why do you disagree with mandating vaccines for all Americans? 
818-985-KPFK. In related-ish news, as COVID has now killed more Americans than the Spanish flu of 1918 did, Pfizer said Monday its COVID-19 vaccine works great for children ages 5 to 11 and that it will seek U.S. authorization for this age group very soon. Key step to beginning vaccinations for youngsters, which could be in place before Halloween this year. That might be a relief for some parents. The vaccine, of course, is already available for anyone 12 and older, but with kids now back in school and the extra contagious Delta variant causing a huge spike in pediatric infections and, yes, deaths, many parents are anxiously awaiting vaccinations for their younger children. Given all of the vaccinations that kids are already required to, uh, to, to have to attend public school, I don't suspect there will be any complaints about mandating a COVID shot, right? Even as it is not yet mandated, it's not yet even approved for that matter, but it almost certainly will be in the months ahead. It seems like it should be. Uh, For elementary school-age kids, Pfizer tested a much lower dose, a third of the amount that's in each shot given to everyone else right now. Yet after their second dose, children ages 5 to 11 developed coronavirus-fighting antibody levels just as strong as teenagers and young adults getting the regular strength shots. That, according to Dr. Bill Gruber, a Pfizer senior vice president, so take that for what it's worth. The uh, the kid dosage also proved safe with similar or even fewer temporary side effects, such as sore arms, fever or achiness, uh, according to, uh, again, the Pfizer senior vice president. He said, I think we hit we really hit the sweet spot with the. Um, amount of uh, a vaccine that they're including here. Gruber said the company's aim to apply to the FDA by the end of the month for emergency use in this age group, followed shortly thereafter with applications to European and British regulators. While the kids are at lower risk of uh, severe illness or death than older people, more than 5 million children in the U.S. have tested positive for COVID since the pandemic began. At least 460 of them have died, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. Cases in children have risen quickly and alarmingly as the Delta variant has swept the country. Pfizer said it studied uh, the lower dose in more than 2,000 kindergartners and elementary school age kids. A second U.S. vaccine maker, Moderna, also is studying its shots in elementary school age children. Pfizer and Moderna are studying even younger tots as well, uh, down to six months of age. Would you be in favor of adding the COVID vaccine to the long list of shots already required for public school kids in this country? Yes, even in Texas, where the governor pretends that freedom to not wear a mask must be ordered against school districts who feel otherwise as the dupes who believe this uh, is all some sort of tyrannical government scheme to control the world. Uh, They don't even appear to notice how many vaccines are already mandated, not just in schools, but in all walks of life. Maybe you are one of those folks. I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call. 818-985-5735. Let's go to oh, right off the bat, because he was in first, our old friend Roger in Minneapolis. Hey, Roger, welcome to the broadcast. Sir, what is on your mind this week? Well, oddly enough, uh, Brad, um, I had called Desi 
um, and have not planned on participating this week. Um, um, uh, but I wanted to thank uh, California for um, uh, preserving Gavin Newsom's uh, tenure as governor. Um, and I also, as a side note, wanted to mention to um, uh, Desi that um, I have missed having the opportunity to have any kind of a more relaxed conversation, uh, <laughs> an interchange with you. Uh-huh. And she, she said to me, oh, this might be a great opportunity for that because we don't have too many people lined up. <laughs> Wrong, Roger. So, There's too much news. Um, Got to go. Bye-bye. No, I'm just kidding, Roger. I, I no, I would love to. We, I, you know, I I look forward to a day when we actually have shows that we can do that where there is not news coming in like a fire hose. And Desi is sort of right in that. Had we not been able to get in touch with uh, uh, Dr. Christy Brigham, uh, who was so good from uh, Sequoia National Park, we we might have had more time. But uh, sorry, Roger. Well. Let, 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 let me jump to a couple of important notes. All right. Pick, your, pick your favorite. I may, okay. I'm, I'm very sad that I may never see a number of the great Sequoia Groves. But moving right on from there, yeah. speaking of fire, what about the fact that the Democrats seem to need some hair napalm? <laughs> they are so oriented towards putting out when their hair gets on fire yeah. as quick as they can they extinguish their damn hair when what <laughs> they need to do is be freaking out about the situation that we have the voter suppression mm-hmm. let me go on and on and on about the things that we need to have our hair on fire about well i know and i and i unfortunately i can't let you go on and on we we do it every day for an hour roger but i hear you and you know what that said i i i i think we need to be really careful when we talk about the democrats because the democrats i don't know if you've seen for example this um the Freedom to Vote Act that they put together. It is a hell of a good bill. As I said last week, uh, over a couple of days, if any one of the dozens and dozens and dozens of provisions in that ballot, uh, in, in that vote, were actually passed, it would be one of the most transformative laws, uh, federal laws for elections since the Voting Rights Act in 1965. The problem is not the Democrats. The problem, it seems to me, is the Democrats like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, because pretty much and and then a, a group of of so-called moderates in the House, um, a, a very small group, by the way. But for the most part, it seems to me the Democratic caucus gets it at this time. And if they can uh, move forward with the Biden agenda to build back better, both the uh, reconciliation bill and the um, uh, infrastructure bill, along with the Freedom to Vote Act. This would be a transformative uh, presidential administration along the lines of FDR and Lyndon Johnson. So, uh, you know, it's not the Democrats. Let's be specific. It's a few Democrats. Those are the folks who we need to be calling out, Roger. Well, I, I agree with that. But what I do see as a consistent dynamic that uh, uh, props up is that um, there's a, a kind of complacency that sets in when some major or minor victories come about. And um, 
And so yep. I'm very worried that um, the very positive developments that you point out are going to wind up becoming stymied because we don't have our our, our collective hair on fire <laughs> enough. I am I'm doing my best to uh, light those matches, Roger. I do hear you, and uh, that's why we do this show every day. Fi- uh, frankly, to uh, let everyone know what is going on and what their hair should be on fire about. You know, if if you watch my, the my hair is a carbonized crisp. <laughs> I, I hear you, Roger. Hey, listen. Uh, uh, I got to go speak to some other folks with their hairs on fire. I appreciate, as ever, hearing from you, my friend. And, uh, well, we'll keep talking and we'll keep burning. Thanks, Roger. Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let me get to one more call before we take a break, and we'll come back with more of your calls. Uh, Joe in Highland Park. Hey, Joe, welcome to the broadcast. What is on your mind, sir? Thank you. Uh, it's about this uh, justice for January 6th uh, event. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it got me thinking that uh, these these uh, people who think they're they're Trump supporters—that's mm-hmm. what they mean—they um, are they're being played by Donald Trump. Uh, listen to this: He called them out to come. Mm-hmm. He encouraged them. He said it's going to be wild. And when they're getting prosecuted, still while he was in office and mm-hmm. had the power to do it, yep, he didn't pardon them. Correct. Uh, he, and, and not that I not that I would like to hear that happen, but mm-hmm. um, I hope some of them are realizing that they're being used as placings in a sort of a child set up, you know, dramatic yep. play with the uh, dolls and tin soldiers yeah. and stuff like that, because uh, it all that's Trump is just reenacting whatever his childhood in his tyrannical household of his father. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it, whatever he's got going, it's uh, they're being used as figures in his play, and of course he's a figure in their play too. But uh, yeah, it just it just the whole thing should be seen through. And yet, yet I haven't heard about that. Maybe you have, uh, or you've thought of that. But uh, any comments you have about that yeah. and, and about these lost people that seem to find their hero and they ain't going to let go, uh, or at least. Many of them aren't. Yeah, I, Joe, uh, you you make a great point. You're right on the money. I'll be even more direct and less polite than you you are about it. Uh, Donald Trump is playing them for dupes and suckers and patsies, and they are falling for it, and they are happy to fall for it. And uh, one of the reasons is because they have been brain poisoned for so many years. Uh, if you missed our Friday show, by the way, on the broadcast, uh, you can download it at bradblog.com. My interview with Kevin Drum, uh, who went back and looked. Uh, you know, what is it over the the past uh, many decades that has brought us to this place? What has enraged these folks on the right uh, to the point where they would do something like storm the Capitol to stop a presidential election in which no one found any evidence at all of fraud that would have changed the results. And I don't want to give it away, but go to bradblog.com. He does find he looks at actual data, actual studies, and is able to identify, at least as he sees it, um, the reason for the madness that we are now facing across the country and the reason that the Republicans are so angry. And, well, you know what? I will give it away. It's Fox News. 
But you can see how Kevin Drum makes his case if you uh, uh, listen to Friday's show on that. Uh, I hear you, Joe. Thanks for that uh, call. And um, you're absolutely right on the money. All we can do is call them out for being brain poisoned and, frankly, try to help them back to the light side of the force. Let's take a quick break here and we will come back with more of your calls at 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman and this is The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. It's the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, taking your calls at 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to Harold in Santa Barbara. Hey, Harold, welcome to the Bradcast, sir. Hey, today's a regular comedy show. I mean, you guys have me laughing. and uh, (laughs) I don't have any hair to burn, but uh, I have no answers. I have another question. All right, what's your question? We try to, by the way, we try to help you laugh so that you don't cry like me at yeah. night when I go home and weep after the show is over. So go ahead, Harold. <laughs> uh, if I had hair, it'd be on fire. But uh, uh-huh. is it the same reason that they don't want to get rid of the filibuster? And they call Joe, Joe Manson uh, the kingmaker. How is he the kingmaker? Is it the money that he bribes officials with? I don't understand. All I have is more questions. Well, l- let me try to give you some answers. Uh, I think the bulk of the the huge bulk of the Democrats do want to get rid of the filibuster. They do want to do the right thing. And the reason that Joe Manchin is the kingmaker is because there are only 50 votes in the Senate and there's only so much you can do with they have zero wiggle room, none whatsoever. They need to pass anything. They need all 50 Democrats uh, well, including the two independents who, who vote with the Democrats, but they need all 50 of them to vote as a group. Uh, and then the vice president can break the tie. If any one person drops out, everything is over. Everything is done, which gives people like Joe Manchin, um, who uh, who knows what his fealty is to uh, when it comes to, you know, the, uh, the the reconciliation bill. We know that Joe Manchin makes millions of dollars, his family, from the coal business. So does he actually want to take action that would hurt the coal industry and save humanity uh, from, from climate change and global warming? Well, we will find out, I guess. But, yeah, that's what gives him the power that he has. And also uh, people like Kirsten Cinema in Arizona, she also has that power. As a matter of fact, any Democrat does at this point in the U.S. Senate, unfortunately. Does that answer your question, Harold? Yeah, but it also makes me laugh, but I don't want to do it on the air. <laughs> That's, thank you. Thank you, Harold. Keep listening. Greatly appreciate the call. Uh, let's go to, uh, okay, Mike, also in Santa Barbara. Hey, where's all the women? Why don't the, where's all the women? Um, uh, Mike in Santa Barbara, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, sir? Hi, hi, Brad. I just wanted to speak to a previous caller's point about why people on the right are so easily duped. Yeah. Um, 
especially since they listen to so much uh, media like Fox News or, mm-hmm. as I call them, faux, quote, mm-hmm. news, unquote. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you think about it, Fox News is really just a filter for people that are either, you know, low intelligence and or easily duped, because for anyone that's that's that uncritical or unanalytical mm-hmm. to believe the stuff that the preposterous stuff that they say, it's it's a it's a they're they filter for those people. And if you think about it from a business model standpoint, it's a perfect business model because if anybody that listens to that stuff and actually believes it, mm-hmm. um, you can sell them anything. You know? Yeah. And, and the, the corollary to that is, you know, half of the population is below average IQ, kind of by definition. And average IQ is not real smart. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and then a good portion of the people are, uh, I what I call just evil. They're not good people. You know, they well, they're malicious. They're sociopathic. Yeah. And so, if you if you take that, you're looking at a pretty you know, decent segment of the population that they have to filter for. And that's, anyway, that's why... That's well, the, uh, well, let me respond to you there, Mark, uh, because, you know, I don't think, of course, there are, you know, a lot of, I'm sorry, uh, Mike, there are a lot of uh, stupid people in, uh, you know, everywhere. But, you know, a lot of the folks who have been duped are not stupid at all. A lot of folks in my family are really, really smart. They're doctors, for crying out loud, and yet they buy into this nonsense. They buy into this Fox News nonsense. Why is that? Well, because if all you listen to is Fox News and then you get in your car and all you listen to is is Rush Limbaugh echoing what Fox News said or vice versa, and then you get on your social media at Facebook and, you know, your friends send you stories from Fox News or from other people who have been listening to these right-wing, you know, media bubbles. They're inside a bubble. And it's really easy if you lock someone inside. If you're a cult leader, you don't let people get out and find out what's going on in the real world. You lock them inside so that you can poison their brain. And their brains have been poisoned. And it is uh, quite sad and quite awful. And it raises the question about what the hell do we do about it, to be frank. I don't know the answer, Mike. Well, yeah, I mean, there, certainly there are very intelligent people yeah. who buy into it. I, I don't personally think a lot of them actually believe it. They, they, it supports their worldview, mm-hmm. so they buy into the, yeah. their, to the narrative. That's true. But I don't think a lot of them that are, if they're actually intelligent and able to think analytically or critically, they don't believe it because, you know, I mean, like the idea of the election being stolen. There's no evidence. It was litigated Correct. Like 60 or 70 times. By Trump appointed judges, yeah, and they still said there's no fraud. They're just innocent. I mean. Thank you, Mike. I, and I hear you, Mike. I, I got to run because I want to try to get in one or two calls before I come up against the clock. But I, I hear you, Mike. Thank you. I appreciate the call. Uh, let me get to Mark and Sherman Oaks very quickly. Hey, Mark. Welcome to the broadcast. Very quickly. Hey, hey, what you got? Yeah, very high respect for your show. I disagree very often with you. No, I'm not a Trump supporter. I've been traveling through this country for the last 40 years by car, coming from another country. I now live here for a long time. And the people that you tend to do the name-calling and say it's only Fox News, those people have suffered tremendously while they suffer in a crucial election come around in 2016. One called them the basket of deplorable. The other one, which is such a smart ass, say, I love the uneducated. 
Okay, so we have to stop to think that Joe Manchin is a worse person than AOC, that Bill O'Reilly is a worse person than Russia, Russia, Russia from SNBC. You know who I'm talking about. So, and we have to realize what happened, what has changed for those people. And be careful, five more million people voted for this guy four years after we saw him. Yeah, I know. Brainwashing, brainwashing works, Mark. I hear you. And the fact of the matter is, if you're going to compare uh, Bill O'Reilly, who blatantly lies, purposely lies to his uh, viewers and listeners, if you're going to compare him to, I guess, uh, Rachel Maddow over on MSNBC, who does not purposely lie, she may get things wrong, she may have her own point of view, but there is a miles difference between the two. So when it comes to the name calling, well, let's bick. Let's bicker about that down the road, Mark. I'm only cutting you short because I'm coming up to the top of the hour, not because I don't want to continue the conversation. So please feel free to call us again uh, in the future. I always love this conversation. Do I have uh, time finally for uh, I got to get Morris before we go? Sorry. I know got a lot of people coming in. Hey, Mo, very quickly uh, in Long Beach. Welcome to the broadcast. Brad, listen, the Republican Party, they are the master projectionists. you got to give them credit. And we need to start building some uh, water pipelines instead of these uh, these oil pipelines. If you got a flood somewhere, we got a drought up here in California, let's figure out how we can move some water around. And you got to give Trump some, pre- some credit. He is a cult of personality. You talk about Fox Literate News, Laura Ingram, Shan, uh, Hannity, and those people, those people are not Americans. They're not patriots. They're Nazis. Thank you very much. Thank you, Morris. They are Americans. Uh, they do tend to sympathize with uh, the Nazis, though, don't they? They are not out there condemning what happened on January 6th. Hell, they weren't uh, out there condemning what happened back in, in, in Charlotte four years ago. Uh, yes. Yeah, and you know, it used to be that if you were against fascism, that made you anti-fascist. So I don't understand their problem with the people Antifa? who fight fascism. Yeah, somehow Antifa are bad because Antifa is against, is anti-fascism. When did that go out of style? All right, anyway, we will be back with you here again uh, tomorrow on the broadcast. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. To my board operator, Federico Garcia. To my guest today, Dr. Christy Brigham of Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park, Chief of Resource Management and Science there. And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. I will see you there until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.